And so this reporter came to interview me and I'll never forget it. He said, so I understand that you're building a company to get rid of men. And I said, what? I said, I'm building a company that reflects the population of the world that we live in. 51% of the population is comprised of women. And I'm building a leadership team that reflects the population of the world that we live in. Men are critically important to our business. I would never build a company without the amazing males that I have on our leadership team. Welcome to Elevate Your Career, the podcast dedicated to empowering individuals from all walks of life as they navigate the ever-changing landscape of their chosen fields. In this show, we'll be bringing on a diverse range of professionals from various career stages to uncover the secrets behind achieving success in any industry. We'll explore how they achieve their career goals and the path they took to get there. Your host is none other than Nicole McMacken, CEO of the Irvine Technology Corporation, ITC, an award-winning information technology solutions and staffing provider. Now let's get to the show. Can you tell me how many young women from a small town in Illinois, a population of 3,000 people, grew up to be one of the most influential women to affect the products we all use in our homes each and every day? So much so that a movie was made a green story about she and her family and the fight to make clean products and make them transparent. On today's show, we're going to do a deep dive with none other than my dear friend, Kelly Velakis-Hanks. She's the CEO, president, and chairwoman of Ecos, the environmentally friendly cleaning product company. As a woman of African-American and Greek descent, Kelly has created a corporate culture of diversity with over half of her team made up of women. She's an influential public speaker who has been featured on CNN, Bloomberg, Fox News, and actually is a regular at the White House. Kelly will provide us insights into what was most important to her growing up, who she attributed her go-for-it attitude from, and she will highlight her own observations on who and what has made great leaders successful in their positions. And guess what? It's just not always about the smartest person in the room. There will also be key takeaways on how to approach a family business in a very unconventional way. This is one of my very favorite episodes and it's filled with impact. I hope you enjoy. Kelly, welcome to the program. So excited to have you today. Oh, I'm so excited to be here with you, Nicole. Thank you for having me. Oh my goodness. If uh, the listeners could actually hear, we decided to actually start recording because Kelly and I were on for 10 minutes just talking about a lot of good stuff. We're so excited to share with you today. Um, But first and foremost, I've got to personally thank you for all that you have done for Earth, for our planet, not only for individually what you do, but what you continue to do through your company, Ecos, with your sustainable products and helping in climate change. It's it's a huge endeavor. And I use your products. I'm grateful. And, um, and, and, not, and not only that, but you and I have met now, oh my gosh, almost seven years ago, it's been. I actually looked. So it was like six years, seven, nine months or so. And Kelly and I are in executive group together. And we were one of the few women in this group. Uh, but it is, it is a pleasure and an honor to call you my friend. And I was so excited to have you on this program today because you have so much to give and offer. And you do it every single day for a multitude of, of, of people and, and, and different things that you have going. So for you to take a little bit of time and, and, and help our listeners, just grateful. So thank you. Uh, well, Nicole, thank you. And I want to extend my gratitude to you because I would have never had a place in that executive group if you hadn't trailblazed the path for women there. And that has been so critically important in my professional journey. And I'm just so glad that you said, hey, listen, women deserve a place and a space in this group. And you went first. And then because of you, so many of us had the opportunity to follow. And I I really thank you for that, Nicole. It certainly has been life changing for me. It has. We've had some uh, some good times. So in this group, I was reminiscing in my mind, you know, 
there's few few women in this group, but uh, we do crazy things because it's 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 high intensity, right? Or very when, high. When, yeah, we've been down the food of foo. We just recently got back from South America, class five rapids. But we have, of them. <laughs> yes, we have uh, spent time in you know South Africa and maybe you know some beautiful beautiful places. We've had some amazing adventures together. So just just super excited that you're here today. And what I really wanted to to talk about was your unusual path in your family business, right? So traditionally, my husband Reed, uh, he's in a family business and uh, you know, he grew up in the business. So right after call it, he worked, he worked, gosh, uh, all summers. It's a large mechanical plumbing and HVAC company. And he would go out in the field. And in fact, he graduated from USC. And so people don't hate, don't hate us. But he graduated from USC. And the first job he got, his dad put him back in and they were building a building there. And he was digging ditches and he saw his friends and he had a shovel. And he said, boys, this is what a USC education will get you. You know, just (laughs) funny. You know, that that business, right, where the traditional, you grow up talking about it at the family table, it's everything, right? Your whole family, your uncles, your aunts, his siblings are involved still to this day. And he's a middle child and he's the president of the company now. And so the dynamics that you share in that family business and and how do you succeed in a family business, I guess, without excuse me, pissing everybody off your family members around you. And, you know, what are some trials and tribulations and successes that you've had in this enormous business, right? That, that was, was not so enormous at one time. Your father, Van, created it. He's from Greece. There was a movie. I don't know if you all know this, but Kelly is a movie star. And, and well, actually, just, Shannon Elizabeth played me. So I yes. was really great in the film. <laughs> yes, that's true. But, but, you know, you're, you grew up different, right? You grew up and I'm going to let you tell your story, but it's super different because you grew up kind of in a family business outside of the family business and you had some different dynamics to share. And I, I, I thought it would be really valuable for our listeners to, to hear your story. Yeah, no, I, I would, I would love to share it, you know. So my father started our company in 1967. As you mentioned, Nicole, he was born in Greece on the island of Crete, grew up during World War II, Nazi occupied, um, Crete. So very difficult times during those years. And so when he was 18 years old, he hit on a ship, came to this country with $22 in his pocket, didn't speak the English language. I mean, a really amazing individual who ended up studying chemistry at Roosevelt University because of the Greek root words. And uh, and he went on to become a chemist. And so during those early days, he was working with a lot of toxic ingredients. And he was wondering why we were putting such toxic ingredients in our cleaning products, because cleaning shouldn't mean spreading toxins. And yet, even today in the United States, it's still going on, right? Where people don't realize that their cleaning products contain so many harmful ingredients. Um, And so he starts our company in his garage in 1967. And as you alluded to, for your listeners, there's a really fun film called A Green Story that they could always watch that kind of shows this journey of his. And it's really sort of the David and Goliath story of the small family-owned and operated business competing against corporate giants and winning in the retail space because we're doing the right thing for our consumers and the right thing for the planet. Um But my father came to this country. He got married uh, very early on in his life when he was 20, and he had two children, and uh, they grew up in Illinois. I was born from a relationship more than 20 years later, so I have a big spread from um, my siblings. And so I ended up growing up with my mom in a small town in Illinois, a town called Itasca. When I was growing up there, there were 3,000 people. There's now 8,000. So a lot smaller than being here in uh, Southern California. But it was um, a a very different kind of um, uh, childhood in the sense that, you know, my father had moved to California and he lived here. And yet I grew up with my mom in Illinois. And growing up with my mom in Illinois, you know, she really taught me how important it was to work hard, 
She really um, always told me never expect to have a position in the family business. And so I didn't grow up with the idea that I would actually join the family business. I grew up with the idea that, you know, I wanted to get into the best university and have the best grades and have the best opportunities in my life and, you know, what I could really do on my own accord. I ended up getting a Regent scholarship to UCLA. That's an academic scholarship. And it's the top scholarship awarded because of your your academic excellence. And it was such a a beautiful moment for me. And for my mom, I mean, my mom had grown up in 12 different foster homes and had this like very challenging childhood. And she, honestly, Nicole, is the perfect example of a human being who literally saw the worst of everything and had the worst circumstances and then decided that she wanted to be everything she didn't have as a child, right? And so she wanted to give me stability and love. And if you had met her, Nicole, you would literally think she grew up in a house with a white picket fence. And, you know, she was full of so much love and so much heart. And she was such a uh, a mom who believed in me wholeheartedly. And I think that's a that's a gift that can't be underestimated. When someone believes in you, then you start believing as a child that you can do anything, that you can be anything. My mom believed I could be the president of the United States. So I grew up believing I could be the president of the United States. Right? And you still can. And you have my vote, by the way. And you are, you are in the White House all the time. So yes. And but you know, it's interesting that you're saying that, Kelly, because not only do you feel that, right? But that's statistically proven, right? Over time and time again, that you and, you know, they, they separate, you know, different, different groups, right? And they find that children that are, are, that have parents that believe in them or individuals that believe in their worth, that they excel more than children who do not with the same skill set. So you're right. I mean, by having a mother that that thought that, you you instill confidence in your child at an early age and confidence and the belief in oneself is critically important to become a leader one day. You need that fundamentally because you're going to go through trials. You're going to go through tribulations. You're going to go through hard times. But if you have that deep and abiding belief in yourself and your ability, uh, that certainly is a sustaining thing. But um, so I grew up with her and I grew up with a mom who, you know, my mom and my stepfather did not have money. So, you know, my stepfather was wonderful. He was a carpenter. And, you know, it was it was, you know, financially sometimes very challenging. Um, so I learned a lot about the value of a dollar growing up and the importance of it. And I also had the beautiful opportunity as a child to visit my father frequently. So I would come see him in summers or on holidays. And so I had this great opportunity to travel and experience other wonderful things. In Greece as well, right? In Greece, yes. I remember you telling me this. He he would go to Greece and he would take me with him. And I just, I loved it. The family, the connectedness, you know, in Greece, it doesn't matter if they're your first, second, third, fourth, fifth cousin. It's like they're your sibling. And so suddenly I got to be in this world that was just such a big one and and a beautiful one. So I, I went to UCLA. And um, when I got accepted there, I I took the uh, merit scholarship and went there and had a great time at UCLA. And, you know, that was certainly the beginning of my professional journey is that that academic uh, endeavor. Where do you go to school? What school do you pick? Is it the right fit for you? I know, Nicole, you and I both had kids similarly aged. We've spent a lot of time over the last couple of years thinking about like, what's the right place for our, for, for our kids? And, you know, because we want them to be in environments where they can excel and and they can work hard and they can, you know, really take a lot of value from that institution. And um, and that was a really great formative part of my journey. Yeah. And I and it's funny as as I'm sitting here thinking about our many, many discussions. Right. And when people are, you know, the focus that you that you put on your children and um, everything that your mom wanted for you and everything that we as parents want for our children. And it's it's funny because the things that are the biggest takeaways are the things that cannot be bought. Right. The things that are instilled, it's confidence in your children. It's 
what everything that you want for them, we cannot necessarily give them financially, right? But it's a a positive self-esteem, a positive outlook on their capabilities, those types of things. So it's like, you're telling me this, it's just resonating with me so much. And and I, you know, I know how fondly you looked at, you know, traveling with your father and, and being incorporated, right? And having that time spent together. And and so at UCLA. And and it was beautiful traveling with him because I learned to love the ocean and I learned to love our planet. And I got a chance to spend a lot of time in nature with him, Nicole. He he absolutely loved our planet. And that was such a driving force in the mission of our company. But, you know, going back to UCLA. When I first went, you know, when I was younger, my mom had cancer when I was 14. And I'm so grateful that I had her another 15 years and I made it to 29. But when she first got sick, my sister was two. And I remember the feeling of feeling like I couldn't do anything. Like I so wanted to help my mom. Like how, what could I do? And I went to every doctor's appointment with my mom. I can literally remember being 15 years old and staying in the hospital room for two night, two weeks, two weeks. I did not leave the hospital for two weeks because I just wanted to be by her side and help her. And in the beginning part of my academic journey, I thought a lot about becoming an oncologist. Like, what could I do? Like, how could I learn the science that I could protect other people from cancer? When I got to UCLA, though, I fell in love with their communication studies department. I fell in love with public speaking and engaging audiences. I was president of the Greek club. I was involved in a lot of things. And I started thinking a lot about business and how business could be a force for good and how could businesses positively impact the life of people and the planet. Of course, at that time, Earth Friendly Products is a very small business. Um, and so I was just kind of thinking about my own professional journey, where, where would I kind of put my stake in the ground? At that time, I also really fell in love with my ethnic background. So I'm Greek and African-American, and I spent a lot of time at UCLA studying in Greece and studying in Africa. I took 10 classes on African-American art. And when I graduated, my first job was curating a South African exhibition at the California African-American Museum. And that was a that was a great beginning for my career because I was doing something that was socially responsible. And I loved it. I loved bringing awareness to what had happened in South Africa and to make sure that these things don't happen again, right? And how can we amplify the photojournalist Peter Magubani had done a brilliant job of capturing those moments in time. And so so that was the exhibition I worked on at CAM. During that time, I met my husband because he had an African-American art gallery. And so it was, it was, a you know, and, and my, and my daughter's father. And so that was that period in my life. Also, prior to graduating from UCLA, I had a, had an internship and I would tell every single young person do internships because it's an amazing time in your academic journey where you can try all sorts of different careers on. You can work in different companies. You can see how different businesses run. You can really open your mind to the possibilities. One of the internships I had was at Brown and Dutch Public Relations. And that internship really made me realize the power of media, the power of telling a story, the power of creating an emotional connection with an audience. I absolutely loved my time at Brown and Dutch. And honestly, after I moved on from the museum, I was hired to be the director of PR for a swimwear company. And I ended up hiring the CEO of Brown and Dutch to come join and be our outside firm. And when I got the job, I remember calling her and I was like, oh my gosh, I got the director role. And here I'm in my early 20s. There's people at the company that are far older. And she was like, listen, Kelly, surround yourself with your posse, fake it till you make it, all of those things, you know? And I was like, okay, you know, and I just kind of shored up, you know, the people that I knew and the resources that I had. And um, and then that was a great experience, handling the press. And I actually did uh, the Miss Universe pageant. I did all sorts of different things in that career. And that was great for a few years. And um, and, that, and now it all explains, I, I share, and you hear me say this all the time, what a phenomenal public speaker you are. I, out of anyone, you know, I, 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 you were just incredible. I, I mean, and to your point, the emotional, uh, context that you can bring and the connection with individuals that you're speaking with, Kelly, it's, it, it's quite amazing. I mean, you are a woman of many, many talents. So, 
Thank you, Nicole. I would say the same for you. And and I would say to your listeners that, you know, one of the most important things as a leader is to be a good communicator, you know, and I think that it can oftentimes be underestimated. I remember when I studied communications, people were like, well, what are you going to do with that? Like, what is, you know, what a communications? Like, <laughs> Run a business. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's what I'm going to do. You're going to lead a global company. Right. That's right. The, it's so very true. The power of the of the word shouldn't be underestimated. So I um, was in that role when September 11th hit. And I remember, you know, I was traveling around and I was writing a lot of press releases about swimwear. And I was kind of feeling like, hey, this isn't the socially responsible, world-changing way in which I wanted to use my voice. And at that moment, became a position was open uh, that I applied for as the executive director of the American Hellenic Council. Now, that organization was a political action committee that was lobbying Congress on issues affecting Greece and Cyprus. And I loved the several years I had with them because I spent a lot of time traveling to Washington, D.C., something you know I love to do still today. And I spent a lot of time fighting for human rights and peace and stability and democracy and so many of the things, you know, that I think we can all collectively agree upon. And it was a, a great opportunity um, to really do something I was passionate about, but also to create connections with the leaders of our nation. And those are connections that I still have today, 20 some years later um, in my current work at Ecos. It, it is quite amazing. I uh, I follow Kelly on Instagram and she's there with her daughter in the White House and just, or, or they're doing something is celebrating the last one, I think, with Greece, right? You're the Greek, yes, uh, yes, Greek Independence Day. And, and I'm like, oh, there's, there's Kelly. She's at the White House again. And it's just, but I think it, what you're saying is so valuable, right? Is being able to create relationships. And as I always say, your net work is your equivalent to your net worth. And not, and what I'm meaning is not a billion followers on LinkedIn, but having a core group of individuals that you take the time and there's mutual reciprocity and time spent, kind of like what you and I are doing even today, right? You're taking time to help me, to help our listeners. And in turn, I will be there and make sure that I'm always there for you. And that's the beauty of reciprocity and of connections and of a, a wonderful network that forge into friendships as well. So for our listeners, but but many times, Kelly, what, what you're saying, communication is so important because I, I will never forget, I was speaking with a president of an organization, and this was probably 15 years ago. And I took something away from, from that meeting and he had said to me, listen, I may not have to be the brightest person in the room, right? I am going to hire the best controller and the best CFO. I am going to hire the best head of marketing. I am going to have, but what I need is for my shareholders, I need to be able able to effectively communicate and strategize what this business is doing in terms that everyone can get behind and understand. And so it's important when you're looking at any career and moving yourself forward. My daughter is at Auburn University. She's in um, public speaking right now and she's loving it. And so really, excited to hear that. It's so wonderful. And I'm saying that's the key, right? That's the key to your business is communication. So thank you for that. And thank you yeah. for that reminder. I think and, it's a good point. And, and you know, when you're when you're speaking about um the individual who said, you know, he didn't need to be the smartest person in the room, like you want to be in a room full of people smarter than you, yes. right? Because yes. as a leader, we want to continuously be learning. You know, there was a great quote by JFK where he said, you know, um, leaning, leading and learning are indispensable to one another. Like they have to go hand in hand because if we're not learning, we can't continue to lead, right? The world changes, things change. We have to constantly be evolving. And, um, and that's why I think that, you know, as a leader, if you can really listen to, I mean, it's really important to do a lot of listening. It's important to surround yourself with diversity of thought too. I think one of the traps we fall into is people want to hear a lot of yes people around them that think like they do. But that really is short-sighted because you really want a room full of people that really think about things in different and unique ways so that you can really take all of that together and do the best job serving your consumers. 
And I think, you know, when I talk to people a lot about diversity and leadership, right? Here at Ecos, more than 50% of our C-suite is comprised of women. More than 75, 75% of our R&D is done by women. And, you know, we have a lot of diversity. 40% is BIPOC. I love that because we have a diverse consumer base. And I want to make sure to be listening to all sorts of perspectives so that when we go to market, we haven't really missed something that might be critically important to a consumer we're serving, right? Absolutely. And And I think a big miss for a lot of corporations is they don't mimic internally what their consumer base looks like, right? Who those consumers are, right? Your internal makeup of your company should be factored around your consumer base and it should be a mirror image of the two, right? And I think it's so challenging for companies as I go into millions of companies all throughout my my career and think, gosh, they really missed something here. So I know. So you've hit it. You're you're right. You know, Nicole, I'll never forget being at a trade show in Greece because we have manufacturing operations throughout the United States and in Greece. And I was at this trade show and there had been a press release around the fact that more than 50 percent of our leadership team was comprised of women. And so this reporter came to interview me and I'll never forget it. He said, so I understand that you're building a company to get rid of men. And I said, what? I said, I'm building a company that reflects the population of the world that we live in. 51% of the population is comprised of women. And I'm building a leadership team that reflects the population of the world that we live in. Men are critically important to our business. I would never build a company without the amazing males that I have on our leadership team. But it was just so funny to me. It's so crazy to say something like that. that. Everything has to be an absolute, right? And we live in a world of absolutes. We live in a world where when you bring the best of every side together, we have the best outcomes. And I think, you know, the more people can start thinking about bringing things together versus like really trying to make sure that everything is apart, the better we are as as a society. I agree. Are you enjoying the episode thus far? We'll be right back after a quick word with our sponsor, Irvine Technology Corporation, ITC. Are you ready to thrive in the ever-evolving tech industry? The tech world is constantly changing, and ITC is your partner for navigating it successfully. Whether you're seeking top-tier tech professionals or the perfect opportunity, we are happy to connect you with talent to transform your business. At ITC, we specialize in placing first-rate, diverse technology talent into corporations with a particular focus on underrepresented groups in tech. We believe in bringing new perspectives and ideas to your team. Together, we can contribute to a more innovative technology industry. Diversity isn't just a buzzword for us, it's in our DNA. Whether you're looking at bringing on more tech talent or you're a tech professional searching for your perfect role and employer, look no further. Take a look at www.irvinetechcorp.com and pick the best option for you. Be part of our mission to create a more inclusive and innovative technology industry. Once again, it's www.irvinetechcorp.com. Now back to the show. Okay, so you were at UCLA. You've taken on a few different jobs. Now you're in this, this career and you've decided, gosh, you know, I feel like I, I want to be doing something more for society as a whole, right? And so where do you go from there? It, so that's so that's the moment that I go to the American Atlantic Council and I start lobbying Congress on these issues and I start working in DC and I'm like really passionate and excited about that work. I'm loving it. I'm moving the needle, you know, I'm meeting with, you know, the heads of the Foreign Affairs Committee and, you know, and both sides of the aisle creating like really great relationships. And I love that. And it's at that time that my father and my father had come to me when I graduated well and said, hey, would you like to join the family business? And I had thanked him at that time. But I knew that my older siblings were in it. And, you know, I had always been told by my mom that I should work hard and do other things. And 2003, he comes to me. And it's a little different this time, because at that moment in time, our family business was mostly private label. So most of our business was in making a product called Nature's Miracle. A lot of your listeners might know it. It's a red and white bottle and it's a stain and odor remover for pet stains. And my father had invented that product. It was the first pet stain and odor remover in the marketplace in the 70s. And he had made that product for 23 years. And in a very unusual situation, he didn't own the rights to the name because he had 
been over to a friend's home who had some pet stains. And my dad said, let me make something for you that can work. And his friend said, oh man, man, that's wonderful. I want to sell that for you. And my dad said, great, call it Nature's Miracle and sell it for me. But unfortunately, he didn't own the name. So in 2003, when the owner of that company passed away, my father lost the rights to the name and lost more than 50% of the business. And so it was a really critical time. And it was a very small business at that time. And the earth-friendly products business was very, very small. They were making products by hand for natural stores, for co-ops, like, you know, like a very different platform, Nicole, than what you've come to see today. And so when I joined in 2003, we were in an 8,000 square foot facility in Huntington Beach. And, you know, Nicole, as you came, the one here in California is 125,000 square feet. I have the facilities in Washington, Illinois, New Jersey, Greece. So a lot of growth in just 20 years. But the difference in these 20 years is my father had the passion, he had the conviction, but consumers had yet to understand the importance of greening their cleaning. And so when he asked me in 2003, I thought, you know what? They had never written a press release. There was no, there was no emotional connection with the consumer. And I thought, you know what? I could do a lot to create value at this moment in time at a critical moment. And I accepted and I was super excited that I could join the family business and I could really, really work on calling on conventional accounts. I can work it. And so I joined 2003 and I started out with, you know, what I knew best, PR. And I reached out to all the media that I had contacts with. And I said, hey, listen, this is a great story. This is a story you got to tell. We got to start talking about what is in cleaning products and how it's affecting the health of our planet and human health. And it's unbelievable, Nicole, that 20 years later, as I sit here talking to you, conventional cleaning products are still full of so many things that we definitively know now are linked to cancer and asthma and nerve and organ damage. But so we got to just start telling people, we got to give people information. And the United States also does not require disclosure of ingredients in cleaning products. That's what is crazy. That is what is absolutely crazy. Like your your child swallows a pod right? One of those dishwasher pods, right? Take them the emergency. Don't really know what's in those, right? Yes. I mean, Nicole, I literally listened to the calls into poison control and the poison control is saying, what's in it? What's in it? And they're saying, I don't know. I don't know because there was no ingredients listed, right? And so these are the things that I started trying to tell those stories back in 2003 and just trying to get a little of excitement around greening your cleaning and the importance of it and telling my father's story, an immigrant who came to this country with this vision, with this dream, and then calling on conventional retailers and saying, hey, listen, at that time, I got a lot of no's, Nicole, because as you can imagine, you know, the larger retailers were like, oh, green doesn't work. Oh, my consumer doesn't want that product, right? And so... But I understood by that point in my life, when I joined the family business, I understood that my goal was to create value and that it was to not just do the scope of work in front of me, like, hey, you do this thing. But I looked for any way possible that I could make the company better, stronger, how I could be of support, how I could make the lives of, you know, my direct supervisors easier, what I could do for them, but what I could that, take off their plate. Isn't that difficult, right? That that you're coming in, first of all, just being in a family business, for those of you who've had experience, I I too was in a family business, but it, it, it's, it has its own challenges, right? You're working hard and you're, you're trying to make their lives easier. You're trying to make the corporation better and the consumer's lives better. And then the next thing you know, right, you're sitting across from them at a table eating and there's been some disagreements that happened during <laughs> the day about this or that. And it, you know, and it's, it's hard. I, I see it with my own husband's company, right? It, it's, there become these splinters and fractures. And for me, I decided I, I don't want this. I'm going to leave, right? I'm going to do something totally on my own. But I mean, how... And and I'm so impressed and admire you for that, Nicole, right? You recognized early on that, hey, listen, like, I'm not going to, you know, stay here. I'll go here and be extremely successful as you are. So, you know, I think the thing that served me most when I joined the business is I thought of myself as an employee. I thought of myself as someone who was new to the team 
And I thought of myself as someone who was there just hungry to prove myself and my worth and my value, someone who was appreciative of the opportunity to be on that team someone who never expected the invitation. I never had the foregone conclusion that I would have a spot at the company. And I certainly never imagined I would go on to be the CEO, president, chairwoman of the board. That was not in my head, right? I, when I started, I just, you know, I just thought I was a member of the team. I never, ever leveraged my relationship with my father. So I made sure I called him Van at work, just like everybody else did. I made sure that I never pulled the van card, like, well, let me go talk to my dad. I made sure that I really just, you know, always thought about like, hey, listen, like as as a team member, like how can I drive the business forward? How can I drive it forward? It was helpful to me because, Nicole, it kept me out of a lot of the emotional fray and a lot of the fighting that happens within family businesses because I was a little bit outside of the immediate family, right? And so it gave me, in a very unusual turn of events, it gave me the space and the perspective to just be there as a team member. Well, and, and I, um, I think, Kelly, it goes without saying that you earned a tremendous amount of respect, not probably only from your family, but from the rest of the employees there. I think the the largest challenge with family businesses, right, are, are people feeling that a family member does not deserve to be in that role, right? Or uh, they don't have the skill set. Let's, let's put it that way. And so you approached your family business from a real employee perspective. I'm going to earn my place here. I am going to treat everyone fairly. I'm going to do the job best of my uh, capabilities. And I'm not going to, to pull the van card, right? Your father, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go and say, well, I'm going to override this because of my last name and who I am. And I think that's the largest struggle that comes in family businesses, right? Yes. You know, Nicole, it's funny. I remember when I was 16 years old, I spent a summer working in the family business. At that time, they had this card that was on the wall in Illinois. It said in and out on it. And you wrote your name on it. And if you were in, you had, you know, and if you left to go to lunch, you'd move the thing to out. And I know these forget. cards. I think you we're, know these cards, we're right? sharing our, our age here. Yes. <laughs> and I'll never forget, like, adding my name, Kelly, to the bottom of it. And I worked in the front office for, like, two months. And the one of the women said to me, you've got to add your last name to the board. And I was like... Oh no, you know, like at this point, they didn't even know that I was related, right? And I'll never forget going over and like, you know, writing my last name. And then one of the women up front was like, You have the same last name as the owner. And I was like, Oh, yeah, yeah. And then like a few others came over and they're like, How do you have the same last name of the as the owner? It's unusual name, by the way. It's not like right. Smith. Not, not everyone's blackies, <laughs> right? And I was like, Oh, you know, he's my dad. What? And it was so funny, Nicole, because for two months I'd been going to work and people were copy this, file this, do this, do this, you know, do it, do it, hurry, you know. And I was just, you know, I'm 16 years old, just trying to file everything then as of course paper files and you know, whatever it was. And like then I came in the office that next day after two months of having worked there, and it was like silent. Everyone was silent. And I remember thinking, oh no, (laughs) (laughs) what have I done? Oh no, you know. But you know, Nicole, one of the things is is to really get buy-in. I mean. To, to be a leader, you need to get the buy-in of your people, right? People need to believe in their leader. People need to trust their leader. People need to believe that their, their leader is competent and capable. And, you know, by working my way from the bottom up, by working in various positions, by being able to demonstrate the value that I created, by working in teams with various people, right? It gave me over the 11 year duration that I had the opportunity to work in the company with my father. It gave me the ability for people to see my capabilities, my commitment, my intentions. And uh, when my father passed away then in 2014, it made it much easier then because it's very difficult. You know, when you have a visionary leader who for 42 years has led a company and has led it a certain way. And anytime there's a change, right? There's always a new way of thinking. And, you know, I had during during my time, I had done my MBA. 
And I, you know, I really wanted to scale the company for growth. And I realized when my father passed away, we had no VP of sales. We had no VP of marketing. There was no COO. There was no CFO. None of those things were in place, right, Nicole? You know, it's a family business. Like there's an HR issue. Oh, Kelly, go talk to them on line three, right? And I knew like, hey, listen, I wanted to make these changes. And, you know, that's an effort to take a business that's been around for a long time and make the changes. But If you built that level of trust and connectivity with the teams that are in place, then you can go through those difficult changes. And we were able to beautifully scale the company for growth. And, you know, at that time, I certainly hired as well from, you know, the conventional space. I said, hey, listen, I want Ecos to be in conventional retailers. I'm going to go out and get, you know, a vice president of sales who works in the conventional space, or I'm going to, you know, and I brought in a lot of, you know, talent and, um, and it's exciting to be oh, with Ecos oh, today. It, it's super exciting. I mean, you've built a tremendous brand, you know, and, and like, like I had said, for, for doing good. It's interesting. I'm listening to you and and comparing it to my husband, Reed, and growing up in the family business, right, with the siblings and 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 it is different, right? Because I think, you know, for them, they for him at least, I'll speak just for him. He had preconceived notions about his temperament, and so he was evaluated from a little boy on how you know, and sometimes treated as such, right? And even as an adult. And in that same ideology that you had from the parents as a, as a child. And, and I, I think it's sometimes really hard to break that. And I think what you had is the luxury of coming in and looking at things differently and not having a, a stigma to you, right? That, oh, he or she always acts like this, or she says, oh, she's going to want this, or, you know, it just, I, I, it's, it's you so know, wonderful. The, the thing that, you know, you would perceive as a child was a disservice, right? So the thing that you would have looked at and said, oh, the unfortunate fact that, you know, my parents separated when I was little, that, you know, the, the, the maybe the challenges that someone perceived were actually, you know, blessings in my life, Nicole. And, you know, I had the opportunity to really come into the business and, and really have a fresh perspective and, um, Also, you know, I was very good at, you know, compartmentalizing, right? So like I understood when I showed up at work, you know, I was an employee and my job was to execute on the vision of, you know, those higher ups. And then I was able to then at night, you know, shift to a different zone and be like, now I'm my dad's daughter. And now at some point I moved across the street from him and we lived across the street. Very, you know, my big fat Greek wedding style. And, you know, and so like to go from work during the day and and that and, and listen, you know, there were challenging moments for sure. There were definitely moments at work where you're like, you know, every one of those where you're just so frustrated with your boss and you're like, oh, I can't wait till I get home, you know? And then you're like, oh, but home is going to be like when we have dinner together because we live across the street, right? And so it's about just really, in my mind, it was about compartmentalizing like this is work and this is my boss and this is my job. And then going home and putting on a different hat, which was, you know, this is my family and this is my life. And these are the people that I love. And um, I think if we as family businesses can get a little bit better about kind of compartmentalizing those two different things, it serves us because when the two worlds bleed too much into one another, then you can have stressors that end up, you know, creating huge, huge rifts. And certainly our family business had those. And certainly there were there were huge stressors and, and rifts that occurred. Um, but I think that, you know, I was able to really, really rely heavily on my upbringing and, and my ability to sort of compartmentalize things. And I'll tell you, you know, when my stepdaughter was growing up and she went to NYU film school and then, you know, she graduated, she worked for others for five years before joining the family business. My youngest sister, you know, worked for others after graduating from UIC before joining the family business. And, you know, I would tell you that if, if, if you asked anyone in our, in our, in our company about them, they would tell you that they are the hardest workers, that they bring their heart, their soul, they're highly intelligent. And I, I told them from the very beginning, listen, when you come into a family business, the bar is so high because everyone is going to expect 
that you got that position because you're part of the family. You have to prove that you deserve that. You have to be better than anyone we could have ever hired for that role. That's right. That's right. On you and your performance is so much higher than anybody that I just got from, you know, uh, a referral. So, and, um, and, and if you can set it up that way, then I think it avoids a lot of the challenges because it's also, you know, demoralizing to the entire team. If the team feels like the family is in some way like, you know, preferred or given leeways, you know, I also said like to everybody, hey, listen, my daughter, she's interned here the last several summers, right? And like, you know, whoever she interned with, whether she did a marketing internship, a legal internship, she worked in our labs. And I must say, I was so proud of her because, you know, she worked in the labs last summer. And this summer when she was back from college, my chief engineer said, the chemist is out on maternity leave. Can Alexia come in for a month and help run the lab? And, you know, my daughter's 19 years old, right? And I was like, come run the lab. And he's like, absolutely. She can run the lab. Can she come for a month and run the lab? And, you know, I was like, you know, for us, why don't you talk to her, you know? And I like went downstairs and I'm watching my 19 year old in there, you know, approving batches and checking the pH and the viscosity and making sure that everything's cute. You know, and I said to her, hey, listen, this is very different than an internship. So the last few years you came in and you were an intern, you have a role now that's critically important to the company. Everyone on those production lines, they're depending on you and the approval process you do in the lab. So I want you to understand the great importance of the work you're doing. And she's like, yeah, mom, I got it. You know, and I was like, you know, watching her from the side. And I was just so proud to see such that. a proud moment. Oh, my God. Oh, such a proud moment. Such oh. a proud moment. Because, you know, to move from that, you know, high school intern to being someone who came in and for a month delivered such great value. That really just filled my heart with a lot of joy because, um, you know. I think a, a purpose-filled life and a and a life where our work matters. Oh, is, is I agree. Beautiful. I agree. I agree. And, you know, it's you and I were talking about the same subject right before we got on the podcast and it was about, you know, our, our children, right? And my husband has a business. I have a business. You have a business. And, you know, our my son's graduating from college and, you know, he's going to have to go out and make his own way and he's going to have to invest himself in other jobs and other opportunities. And then at that point, but I, I don't want my kids coming into the family business, right? Right off, because I think you have so much to offer. And, and you know, I, 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 I don't want that for myself and, and for him, because I think it's a disservice sometimes. And, it, and it's also great, you know, if they can come in having learned skills, having, you know, I know one of the things that I loved is like, really realizing when I joined the company, wow, I can add value. Like I can do all these things and, you know, help move the needle. And, you know, they'll go out and they'll learn things. I mean, the world is changing so rapidly, Nicole. I mean, there's things, you know, that I work on that I'm asking my daughter, hey, listen, you know, with this phone, with this, what is that? What is that? Right. You know, like, oh my God, you know, we just got good at that social media platform. No, no, no. It's happening. I know. You know. Slow it down. Slow it down. <laughs> all, of, all of this changing of, and I'm in the technology industry and I'm saying, can we just stop now with AI and this and that and predictive learning? And it's, oh it's my just, goodness. It's oh my just gosh. a lot. But, being a, a woman leading in the tech world. I mean, oh my gosh. Uh, it's just, it's amazing what you've done. Well, thank you. Thank you. And I have a couple of fun questions for you. So uh, just because we're, we're winding down and I'm kind of rapid fire, there's five of them, but what is your favorite travel destination? Let me go. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, Nicole, you know, I love going to Greece because, you know, you have the warmest waters you have, you know, the amazing history that dates back to Minoan and Mycenaean times. You have amazing food and you have the warmth and the beauty, the people, and you have an opportunity to see some of the most beautiful parts of our planet. And then you really can't leave Greece without wanting to protect how beautiful our earth is. I agree being there. And I love if I'm saying it wrong, Hanya? Hanya. And Hanya, Hanya. Hanya for sure is my favorite. Yes, place. I love it. I love it. Your um, favorite artist. Well, my favorite artist, I would say, is Phoebe Beasley. And so I started studying African-American art back at UCLA. And she's an amazing artist, the only artist to ever win the presidential seal twice, once under Clinton and once under Bush. 
and uh, she's a phenomenal artist. Oh, uh, your favorite passion project. My favorite passion project is definitely XPRIZE. So I sit on the board of XPRIZE and the mission of XPRIZE is to solve some of the greatest challenges we face. People might know the the Elon Musk $100 million carbon removal XPRIZE, um, but I am really passionate right now about the wildfire XPRIZE. And that XPRIZE is to detect and extinguish a wildfire within 10 minutes. And I think it's really important to be able to leverage technology to do that. Oh, 100%. 100%. What, that's wonderful. I didn't know about it. And I didn't oh, know about this. So this is something learning <laughs> today. I would love to know. I would love to learn. Maybe participate if I'm able. I would, um, I would love to have you join me there. Thank you. And then your favorite travel hack. I just learned about a year ago of an app called Trip Plans. And it is phenomenal because you load everything into the app and you seem like the most organized, most on top of it person. At the click of every button, you know every place, every venue, everything about it, everything, every single day and every single moment is in Trip Plans. So I highly recommend that. Yes, you'll love it. 100%. Thank you. Thank you. And then your favorite U.S. city to visit. Right now, it is definitely New Orleans because uh, my daughter is at Tulane University, and I have just been loving going down there because you have, you know, Spanish culture, French culture, African culture. It's such a melting pot of so much diversity and so much energy and beauty. And then second, would that be Washington, D.C.? Where <laughs> Washington, D.C. is definitely up there. I'm going to actually fly back because they just um, they're trying to get rid of we had we're fighting to get disclosure of ingredients and cleaning products. And there's another kind of one of those dark waters acts that's trying to prohibit that. And so I'm going to head back out there in another week or so to meet with the committee. You fight. Make, you fight. Make sure I mean, we got we got to give we just we if we're not going to regulate, we have to give the information. We have to let people make informed decisions about what they want in their homes, what residue on their plates, what residue on their glasses. They need to know it's not right. And I agree. Um, Hundred percent. So I will definitely be back there. Yeah, you fight, girl. You fight. Well, Kelly, thank you for um, being on today. It's been a pleasure, and I think there were so many wonderful takeaways. So, just want to thank you again, and and maybe we'll do this again. You never know. Thank you. Thank you, Nicole, for all you do, for what you do to uplift women, for giving me the platform today to share my story, and for having a podcast that's really about elevating oneself. And I thank you for taking the time. It's it's a gift to us all. Oh, thank you. I hope you enjoyed the episode today on the Elevate Your Career podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on your chosen platform that you are listening to us on. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this episode with them or post it on your social media to share with your friends. You can catch the show notes for this episode and any mentioned links in the description of this episode. Irvine Technology Corporation, ITC, excels at finding top-tier tech professionals and matching them with businesses. Whether you're an employer with tech opportunities or a tech professional searching for the perfect role, ITC is your go-to solution. Visit www.irvinetechcorp.com for more information. Once again, it's www.irvinetechcorp.com. We'll see you on the next episode.